Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Friday, July the 22nd, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 39. It is a fascinating chapter for us, one that is I'd say it's well-beloved, not because it's a beloved story, but because we are able to see the whole story about how God provides for his people, that even in evil, they they wanted for evil, God did for good, is a common statement we will see from now until the end of Genesis. And for, for all of it, we give thanks to our Lord for stories like this, one, because it shows us that Indeed, it was not perfect in those days, but also that the Lord is a forgiving and gracious God, even upon sinners like us. So as you look at this, open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Nabil Neuer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota. Uh, ah, see, Pastor Neuer, happy Pentecost, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, my dear brother in Christ, uh, Brady, and it's a joy to be back on Thy Strong Word because it's the message of hope and help that points us to heaven. It is the message of light and love that con- confirms to us in the concrete word of God, and it is a message that is fitting even for our day and time. Pastor, you you are preparing for a wonderful trip to the Holy Land. Our previous district president here in Minnesota North will be joining you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this trip that you're preparing for? Absolutely. Um, You know, I've been praying for this for a long time. I was born in Nazareth. Uh, we, I can actually ask the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> and then I wait for the people to say, well, there's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just happen to be born in that place, so I'm fluent in Arabic and in Hebrew. And I like to take people back to the old country, because now I've been uh, in this country for almost 50 years. And uh, what I like to do is walk in the footsteps to is read the Bible with all of your senses through color, voice, motion, and smell. Um, So I want the people to realize when we walk in this place, Jesus literally was here. And uh, they're going to find a lot of rocks over there. And I will always say, I want you to look beyond the rocks to the eternal rock, Christ Jesus, our foundation and, and hope. So to me, it's a ministry so that I can uh, play before their eyes the words that are alive in Scripture as they is. But I give them color. I give them motion. I give them vocabulary. Not to add to Scripture. Please understand that's not what I'm trying to say. But bring the custom, the culture, and the context. And here are my three C's. We've talked about this before. Context is king. Culture is queen. And Christ is the center. So all that we do is to focus on Christ and what a difference that makes in our lives, 
and in the lives of the people that we are. I am so privileged to lead on this tour. Well, and a reminder to your listeners to pray for all those who travel. Pray for our, pre, our my uh, pre- predecessor here at Minnesota North, President Donald Fondau. And, and how many people are going with you? Forty saints on this journey. Mm. Forty. Four zero. That's a good number to use for something along those lines. What a joy that is. Oh, gosh, yes. 40 is all over in this <laughs> So, Pastor, we're here to study the Word of God. And, uh, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Blessed Lord Jesus, you moved the prophet Moses to write these words for us, to enlighten us through the Spirit's power to see your magnificent, majestic word. The word that changes lives and keeps us on the narrow path of life. We ask that you would be the great teacher among us today. Myself, Lord, anoint our lips that we might praise your name, edify your saints, and expand your kingdom. So be present among us as we walk through the scriptures today and see how you made history that helps us to realize that you are in total control of everything that is seen and unseen. In the name of Christ, our eternal rock and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text, Genesis chapter 39, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, Pastor Neuer, I want to start this way. I will read the first six verses, and then it kind of wets our palate a little bit, and you can give us some context of what leads us up to this point. So we are reading from Genesis, Wonderful. Reading from Genesis 39, and we'll begin with, uh, we're reading from the English Standard Version, reading the first six verses. <laughs> now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, was the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord Yahweh was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in his house and all and all and over all that he the Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. This chapter 39, Pastor, begins in a wonderful way, but there's always a context before. So what leads us up to this point and some beginning points? Well, you have to remember that in the previous chapter, it talked about first the sad story between Judah and Tamar. That was number one. And then we have the lineage of Jacob and the family that came down from him. And then in uh, chapter 39, then, we have the greater Joseph, and that is Jesus, that is brought to us here. So the context is always king. We talked about that earlier. And so you have to remember where Joseph is and how 
uh, in the previous chapters, his brothers, you know, what they've done to him and they sold him into slavery rather than putting him to death, although they wanted to do that because of their hatred. And now he is sold and brought into uh, this place. And let me kind of just give a little tidbit of wisdom in here. The story of Joseph is a story of the three Ds, dungeons, diadems, and delight. And so um, you have to remember, uh, excuse me, I should have said it this way. Um, the three Ds, dreams, dungeons, and diadems. Mm. So we see this Joseph, who is the dreamer, right? And God, um, through his father, Jacob, provide him not a coat of many color. That's not what the Hebrew says. The Hebrew says a coat that reaches to the sleeves and to the ankle. Literally, and that robe identifies somebody who is very important. Most people did not have that kind of uh, thing. And so that in itself is a cause to bring the uh, reality of things. And I, I bring the uh, dreams in. Uh, to the fact that you remember he was telling his mom and dad that um, along with his brothers that he dreamt all of them are going to bow down and ultimately then in chapter 50 we see the fulfillment of those dreams and so this is why the dreams the dungeon where he goes to prison in more than one and then uh, then you have the diadem. And this is why I say Jesus is the greater Joseph of this. And so this is a great story, really. It's a love story of God working behind the scene, the unseen God at work in the life of Joseph. And uh, I don't know if you discussed this in the previous discussion with your Vice uh, Strong Word study. The word Joseph means to add. So you can talk about Joseph being added as a blessing by God. And as you look at it, you know, in verse one, we start right off with the adding, the Yosef Horeb, it's in the Hivial, that Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and there he was purchased by Potiphar, one of the servants of Pharaoh. So we are already moving pretty quick. So you have the Ishmaelite, and who are the Ishmaelites, but none other, the other son of Isaac. So they would be actually cousins who are selling him. Remember, mm. um, Abraham and Sarah were promised a child, and yet they did not wait long enough. And so uh, Sarah said, why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar, uh -huh. which of course at that time was practice, but not according to God's word. And yet, so they had uh, a child, and they called them Ishmael. And so the Ishmael's of the day of Abraham and the Israelites are the only two people in the scripture that are still around today. And the Ishmaelites and the Jews are still at odds even till today. And that's why you see the Arabs and the Jews constantly fighting. And so, and we do know that Ishmael went to Egypt with his wife Hagar, because that's where she was from. And so what you behold here is a replay of what has taken earlier, but now it's expanded with the unseen God, and you're going to hear me say this over and over during this Bible study, the unseen God who is working everything behind the scene to bring good, which you brought earlier, Brady, about Genesis 50. You meant it for evil, verse 20, that is. You meant it for evil. He's talking to his brothers, but God meant it for the good and the salvation of many or all. 
And it's the same thing with the scripture that talks about Good Friday. The Jewish people, the Roman power, they meant it for evil, mm. but God used the cross for the saving of the world, the cosmos. And so it is, uh, this story is so similar to uh, Jesus. Uh, in Hebrew, Yosef is four letters, Yeshua is four letters. So you have even that so close, and you see the work that he's doing, and he goes down to Egypt. Where did Jesus go? Down to Egypt. He comes back. And when he comes back, he does the ministry, and we see the same things right here. This is the time range where we read this narrative, this true story, where if you just stop here, you just kind of like, well, that's, that's just great. I mean, this is, a, this is just a story of just getting better and better and better. But as we know, Genesis never does that. <laughs> it never gets to the point where everything just gets better and better and better. And, and that's why I love the details that the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write this because it's very real that in this life, we, can, we have those times of success. Things are going great. Our health is great. We're, we have money in the bank and everything is going wonderful. But all of us will have a setback. All of us will have temptations and, and darkness and all of this. So that's why it's very important we never stop at verse 6. Because if we stop there, we can have this impression that that's just how it can be for some people. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? It is very true. I want you to focus a moment on verse 2, which I think is very helpful for us among the many other verses here. And in the Hebrew, I'm just translating, so I may not be reading it exactly. And it says, and uh, was Yahweh. Yahweh was with Joseph, okay? And he was a man with success, or you can translate successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, okay? So who is the narrative behind the narrative? Mm. Jesus is the God who is behind this checker uh, stuff that's going on, moving this here and moving this here. And you see it in verse 10, in verse 2, excuse me, we'll get to verse 10 later. But in verse 2, you see the Lord was with him and you know i cannot help but bring in matthew 28 verse 20 jesus says and lo i am with you into the eons in the greek so forever and this is the comfort we have whether it's success story or not so successful of a story it's a story that tells us god loves us so much he does not want to be without us and verse 2 is key for that Anything else you want to share? As to this point, we've just seen a very basic story that, that Joseph has Correct. had success. And so anything else you want to highlight before we hear the rest? Yes. Of the story? Remember, what, no matter what Joseph touched because of the mercy, there's a Hebrew word, chesed, which we translated as grace, okay? Or he had that. Everything that Joseph touches turns green. Everything. In the household, everything's perfect. In the field, everything's perfect. His master is so impressed with this man's gift. So he takes his hands off. He says, okay, you run the household as you do. And of course, who is running the house is none other but Yahweh, because God is giving the wisdom for this young man to add and to help. 
And ironically, there is a good word where we talk about he became overseer of the um, over the household in verse five. Okay, um, the Hebrew word that's used there is hitkid, which literally to visit the household. Okay, to visit. When you visit, you look over the need, and if you remember the great Magnificat. What does Mary say? The Lord has visited his people. Mm -hmm. And so we see it right here through the hands of Joseph. God puts him in this place for a reason. Again, bringing to fruition the goodness of God and the grace of God. And he blesses, Barachat Yahweh, he blesses everything so that whether it's in the field or in the house, Everything is well, hunky-dory. And we have no disappointment as of yet. There's no setbacks yet, but it's soon to come very quickly in this place. Let's continue to move forward. We're starting in, I guess you'd say, verse 6b, and we'll go through 10. <coughs> now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master had no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept, me, kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. So thank you for reading those. This is where the rubber hits the road. Let's amen. begin amen. with that portion where you talked about uh, starting with the 6b. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in the Hebrew, we have twice the word yafe, which means beautiful. So Yo Yosef, Joseph, yafe me od to air the yafe mirae. So he is handsome, but my God, she is good looking too. I mean, both of these adjectives are being used. Why is that? To put it plainly, if we want to use the terminology of today, Joseph is a stud, okay? <laughs> when he walks into the room, women turn their head. It's kind of like, I don't know which um, Hollywood people you want to look at as the sexiest man. But Joseph, if there was a calendar, in Egypt, as far as handsome and beautiful, Joseph would have been on the front page, okay? Mm -hmm. He's that good, okay? And after a few days, um, she cast her eyes, but casting is a um, little bit mild. I like to translate it, she lusted. Mm. Um, why, the Potiphar's wife, we don't even know, she's unnamed, and whenever there's uh, somebody who is unnamed, that is a, normally in the Hebrew a character that's not godly. We don't, mm. it's almost a, look at the book of jo, uh, uh, Ruth, for example, right? The other Goel, the other Redeemer, he's also unknown. We don't know who he is, so he's not that important to the story. He's like a, in the background. But here you have, she uh, lusts after Joseph. Now stop for just a moment and go to Genesis chapter 3. Eve lusted after the fruit. 
God said no, and she said yes. God had ordained that man and woman should be solo, but she's married to a part of her. Whatever his position is, she is not interested in her husband. She is lusting after Joseph. And then Joseph, this humble guy, comes and speaks these words which are so fitting. I was telling my wife this morning, my queen, as we were out, we go out once a week for brunch, and I was telling her I was doing Genesis chapter uh, 39, the great story, and she said, what's the highlight of that, honey? I said, the one verse that really stood out in my mind was, you know, uh, verse 9, specifically verse 10. Um, in the Hebrew, that is. It's in verse 9. I think it's in the, in the English. It's in verse 10. And he, I'm going to translate out of the Hebrew. There's no one greater in this house, this one, and um, your husband did not keep anything back away from me except you, okay? Uh, because you are his wife. And notice these words. This is, this, is, this is the cement. This is the thing. What does he say? How can I do this wickedness or the evil, the great evil, hazot, this one, twice he repeats this one, bechatati le'elohim, and sin against God. This is what I was saying to the queen today. He doesn't say, I'm going to sin against Potiphar. He doesn't say, I'm going to sin against the wife. He doesn't say he's going to sin against himself because his body is the temple of the Lord. He says, no, how can I do this and sin against Elohim, God? How can I do this? Another word, it's a uh, um, a question that demands a positive answer. I can't, man. I cannot do this. Okay? And so when you think of his mind, how attuned to the will of God is Joseph, that he brings God into the conversation and said, you know, you might find me attractive, but I am not yours. I belong to God, and I cannot defile my body. Okay? And then he tells her, I am going to sin against God if I do this, and I cannot. It's a... And then, continuing verse 10 in the Hebrew, and, um, and day after day, she kept after him, okay? And she is trying to get him to her chamber, and come and sleep with me. She has one track mind. She's interested only in him to sleep with her. That's all she's concerned about, almost like what Eve did. She was only concerned with disobeying the Lord by taking off the fruit. And you see the judgment that comes upon it right here. And he said, I can't do this. You are not mine. It is not for me to do this. I can't I will not do this. And notice the constant barrage of sexual harassment, mm, okay? Mm -hmm. Every single day. If I were to try to envision this in a movie, I would think she would be coming out with a lace nighty and say to him, come and sleep with me. So it's trying to seduce him. 
That's all she's trying to do right here. And I see the face of evil, Satan, who's trying to take this man whom God has put his brand on him as his very own and said, no, this is my child. In verse verse 10, what really struck me is when I typically have read this narrative and this account, I always envisioned it as one time. Just in my mind, I didn't read it very closely, or not as close as I could, and the Holy Spirit gives us new realizations as we read the word. Verse 10, and she spoke to Joseph day after day. So before we start thinking that she, this is a one-time event, and, and then she just kind of, yeah, you know, she kind of had tempted a little bit, or you try to make it sound like the wife is, is not that bad, or, or she had, you know, her intentions weren't, just kind of slipped up a little bit. No, this was an intentional pursual of harassment for many days. Who knows? Any insights on that? Is there any indication of how many well, days this we might don't have been? Know, we, we don't know how long because uh, earlier, let me look. Um, uh, there is a portion that I read earlier. Oh, in the, in verse 7, and the Hebrew is, and and it came to pass after these words, okay? And she cast her eyes. How long was that? We have no clue, and I'm not going to inject or project how long it was. But suffice to say, when it says, yom, yom. So this is, this is not like a flirtation, you know, you happen to be in the kitchen and she says something. This is intentional. So if you were to go to court, Okay, and you killed somebody, they, could, they say first uh, degree manslaughter, okay? That's intentional. Third degree, it happened by accident, a car wreck or something, that's manslaughter. But this is first degree murder. It is intentional. She is nagging at him. If you can think of, of a faucet dripping every single day, just keeps dripping. And this is the constant barrage of sexual harassment that he endured day after day. My first thought is, why didn't he go tell his um, Lord? Why didn't he say your wife is trying to do that? Maybe because he wasn't confident enough that his master is going to believe him. I don't know the reason. I'm not trying to, again, uh, inject something that the Bible does not tell me. But suffice to say, she was constant. How many days? Who knows? More than one. And it was intentional by saying, I want you to come and just sleep with me. This isn't just, you know, come lie by me. No, no, no. The Hebrew is very frank. They want, she wants anyway, to have sexual relationship with him. That's her goal. And he says, no way, Jose. I'm God's child. I'm not going to defile you. Neither will I defile my God, the one who made me. So Joseph has a very great relationship with his Lord, and he trusts him that God is going to see him through. Well, I want to talk more about that. And on the other side of our break, we are studying Genesis chapter 39 with Pastor Nabil Noor, and we'll be right back.
what's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church, free of charge, to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 39 with Pastor Nabil Neumer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota. And Pastor, we have seen success and we've seen darkness already. And, and you kind of, you know, it, this is nothing surprising. I mean, this is nothing new under the sun, as we will often say, is that you'll see in this world, you look out and you'll see some success and you'll see some evil. At times, it seems like the darkness is clearly winning. Um, the darkness is way too near. And, and that's why I love Genesis for obvious reasons. The, the, the list of why Genesis is so great is, is beyond compare. But I find it always to be very practical to our world today, as you mentioned in your prayer today. And that's why when we read up to this point, we cannot help but see our own day with the same struggles. Any thoughts on that about how this is still an issue today and what we're seeing in this text? Well, I mean, what Joseph went, we still go through that today. You know, I um, when I was in my former profession as a painter, house painter, you know, we had a crew. And so we would go in. And in this particular home, and this is, I'm talking like, well, I've been in the ministry for 33 years, so I'm talking at least 35, 36, 37 years ago. So we go to this house. Uh, you know, we start about 7.30 or so to start painting indoors, and I have three, four guys with me. And we, the lady, and she has two um, teenagers, 16, 17, 18 girls. And here they come down with a 90 see-through with nothing on underneath. And my guys are sanding the frames of things, but the eyes is not on the wood. So I have to go and tell to the lady, ma'am, this is your home and you're entitled to do whatever you want to. But you have five men here. All of them are between 20 and 28. Their hormones are running wild and you're coming down almost naked. Is there anything that you can do to cover yourself better? I did tell her that. And I said, I'll tell you what, I will pull my guys away from here and when you are decent enough, I will come back. Why? I'm a human. I don't want to be in a position where I put myself at a stake where I'm going to dishonor God. Because that's not my place. I mean, this is in the painting business. And I'm sure my guys were not happy with me when I said, we got to get out of here until <laughs> they get dressed and we'll come back. But the point is, what you said earlier, Brady, we still live in the same temptation world because Satan is always going to try to attack us so that we lust after something. If it's not another wife, it's another home. If it's not another home, it's another car. If it's not another car, it's another job or ministry. You know, our role is to be the servants of the Most High God and let the light of the gospel shine. And this is what I like about Joseph. He is letting the light of the gospel and his perspective is so real. How can I do this against God? Well, let's continue on because, once again, we could stop there, 
And what we see is Joseph holding strong. And, and in, in a very practical sense, we pray that the Lord will keep us strong. Like what you're talking about with your business is that reality that sometimes you have to go in the other room or you have to leave in order for that temptation no longer to be there. And we could talk all day about that. But I want to get to the rest of our time is, okay, uh, there's, he's been successful. He's been tested. He's had the victory. Amen. That's what we want the story to end with, but it doesn't quite go that way. So verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, he caught, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom he had brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Pastor, I do want to start this way. This is very, this is a very emotional part of the story because we, we have to be very careful that we don't start making it sound like, see, this is the line that happens and assume that that's always what happens when there are cases of infidelity or in cases of, let's just say, rape. And those situations. And so we read this as a situation here. It's very clear that she was lying. And, and that's very emotional, very difficult. How do you work through that? We pray for those who have to work through those situations. But right here, it's just a blatant lie that she shares. And it is, it is dangerous. It is awful, dark in every way. So, Pastor, how do you want to start us off with this? This portion. Well, let me go back to my introductory words. I've said the story of Joseph and 39 is from dreams to dungeons to diadem. But let me just add this also to kind of help you grasp, grasp a bigger picture. Because remember I said context is king and culture is queen. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of these. Joseph's story is a word, uh, wardrobe narrative. His brother's tore the robe that his father gave to him. Potiphar's wife unrobed him as he fled from her because of the sake of Jesus. He donned new clothes when he left prison. And Pharaoh finally clothed him in garments of fine linen. God finally got the right clothes on him, the garments of one who would save his people. And in this story, we see what is foreshadowed by the greater Joseph, our Lord and Savior, who was robed in splendor and majesty and who wraps us in the garments of white. And remember what happened to Jesus. They took his robe off also. He was naked on the cross, right? So Jesus is the greater Joseph. But we see it really is a wardrobe story, you know, 
the brothers took the robe that he was wearing and put blood on it, right? And they sell him in different clothing. He comes into Potiphar, who is a deceiver, a liar, just like Eve, because she lied, right? And she takes that which is not hers. And here, she is blatantly blaming him. And she talks, who's at fault right here? When you say, when you read this, she is blaming her husband, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because she says in verse 11 um, that on this day, and he came to do his work, and there's not a single man in the house, and then she caught him, okay? Very strong words. It isn't just like, hey, come over here. No, she grabbed him with every gusto in hers, whether she dug her fingernails in his body, arms, who knows, I don't know. And then she got hold of his garment, trying to pull him into the bedroom, and she says, come and literally sleep with me, okay? And, um, but what does he do? He hightails it out of there. He runs away, leaving his garment in her hand, and he what? He fled, because mm. he knows the danger if he remained in that place. He is a man, okay? And you put him in that position, it's a hard temptation to say no to a beautiful woman, but he runs away and he goes outside. He doesn't even stay in the building anywhere unless she chase him. And then she, verse 13, uh, when she beholds what happened, that he left the garment in her hand uh, and he fled outside, she calls in a loud voice to the men, whether they were outside, who knows, assuming they were out in the yard rather than in the house. And I want you to pay close attention how her words are so similar to Eve, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, she said, look, uh, behold, uh, he, be, he brought, no, no, that is her husband, each every Hebrew man, that's a hawk to laugh, Yitzhak, to mock uh, among us, and he tried to rape me. And uh, I, she cried out in a loud, loud voice. Isn't that similar to what happened? They lie, right? They lie through their teeth. Now, the woman you gave me is the culprit, right? And then, of course, ultimately, Eve blames God. And here, you catch this unnamed woman of Potiphar. She said, my husband brought this guy in here. And besides, you talk about race, okay? He's a Hebrew, and he's the, supposed to be the one. And what does he do? This Hebrew, because my husband brought him here, uh, trying to rape me. But when I cried in a loud voice, Oh, wow, he took off. And then when he heard that uh, lifted her voice and uh, cried out, he left his garment. So that's the evidence, right? Uh, evidence A for the jury to see. He left it with me and he fled. And then what does she do like a good godly wife? She takes his garment 
and puts it on her bed where she's laying. And as soon as her husband walks in, she says to him, the man that you brought, you are the one to blame. It's all your fault, my husband, Potiphar. You brought him here. And so he was trying to uh, rape me all because you are the one who is to blame because you brought him right here. And then she, t- she continues lying. So the lie gets increasing bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we know what happens to Joseph after that because Potiphar <coughs> really gets angry. And we'll get to that here shortly. One question that did come in in this text is when it says, and maybe you said this, forgive me if I didn't catch it, is in verse 17, and it says so prior, she says, that the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, okay, so blaming, like you said, uh, came in to laugh at me. It's it's weird language. For us, that'd be more of a mocking. Is that what she's it talking about? Mocking. Yeah, she's mocking in the sense that it's more than one. We also had it a little bit earlier, I believe, when she's telling this story. So we have it twice. And the word is the same, yitzhak, which is to laugh. So also in verse 14, um, to mock or to make fun of, okay? And so she's thinking that he thinks he's better than hell. And I did say that earlier. But yeah, he's trying to mock, but she is mocking her husband because she is blaming him Mm -hmm. to say, because of you, you are the mocking one because you are trying to reduce me just to be somebody who's going to be used by this man, and you leave him in your position rather than you being responsible. It's all your fault, Potiphar. That's what she's doing right here. Well, I mean, it, it, this gets into our culture is queen dynamic of the cultural realities of this, and it is the queen who is, well, not uh, living out that culture well. I will say it that way as we look at this, and it's very, oh, boy. I mean, the darkness just is like a snowball going down a mountain. You know, it just starts it small. Is, and it, it gets just, darker mm-hmm. and darker and darker. Pastor, before we get to the the last number of verses in this chapter, I always like to do this at this stage. There's a lot that we could cover. Is there anything else you want to highlight in those first 18 verses? Well, two facts. Um, Joseph is a godly man who walks with God. I mean, he thinks of God first before he thinks of himself. Secondly, you never hear Joseph. Joseph complained mm. in any of the 13 chapters that talks about him in the book of Genesis. You talk about 50 chapters in Genesis, and 13 of them are devoted to Joseph. That's a pretty good percentile, okay? And never once you hear him complain when his brothers tear his clothes and uh, try to kill him and then sell him. When the Ishmaelites take him down to Egypt against his will, when he is sold into slavery to Potiphar, when he's put into the position of authority. And then as you read continuing tomorrow, once he goes to jail and things change in the jail, you don't hear him complaining. Why is that? Because he trusts that God is gonna pull him through. He doesn't know how, doesn't know how, yet he trusts. And I love that, Proverbs 3, 
and following, as well as the Psalm 37, 5 and following. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. To trust God is to say, Lord, I am yours. You do with me as you please, because I know you're going to do the best for me. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But this is really what's happening right here. Joseph is living in the light of the gospel through Jesus Christ. This woman is living in the darkness of sin as servants of the devil. So you see the dichotomy right here, the two distinctions between the light and the darkness. Because when you walk in the light, you will not fall. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And that's the joy we have as Christians, knowing full well what God has done and continues to do for us. And it is his grace that helps us to walk in the light because we are people of the darkness. And then if you can connect that with First Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 9 and 10, at one time you were not a people, but now you are a people to reveal the marvelous light that he called you out of darkness. We were in the darkness, but we see the light of the gospel. And because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we point others to that light rather than to ourselves. And the beauty of it is Joseph is a great example of this, but the greater example is the, um, the greater Joseph, and that's Jesus Christ, who even in the midst of everything that he was accused, and Jesus never complains either. The story are so connected. Mm. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for us to win our redemption and our salvation. Well, and it truly is a work of God because think about how easily we will complain. Like I'm, I'm ready to complain about something right now and I have nothing compared to what Joseph has gone through, which is truly a testament of the Lord's light shining upon him, which is, like you said, First Peter, we also have First John chapter 1, where it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It reminds us once again, at Christ in the center of this, we not only see a great Joseph, but we see the greater Joseph, like you said so well, where this light shined on him, in probably one of the worst circumstances we can imagine that he had in his own life. Last thoughts before I move on? Yeah, the one thing that I will add to this, you remember I talked that this is a wardrobe story. Right. And just think of how God clothes us with the garments of righteousness and baptism. I like to compare that when I talk about Genesis 39. You and I have been dressed also with the garments. So God takes the garments of filth and gives us the garments of righteousness tailored to fit our need by the hands, the pierced hands of Jesus for your benefit so that you may be guaranteed and certain of your eternal life and salvation. Well, let's continue on. We have about 10 minutes left in our time, just slightly under, and we'll finish off this chapter. Verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord Yahweh was with Joseph and showed his steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were with him in prison. Whatever done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord Yahweh was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord 
made it succeed. Well, uh, good news, bad news type of ending to this one. What do you got, Pastor? Well, let me just uh, kind of uh, interesting Hebrew terminology in verse 19. And it says, when he heard, that is Potiphar, when he heard uh, what has happened uh, according to the words of his wife, which she has spoken to him, telling him these uh, words, that this one again, uh, bec- and again, she blames him, okay? Because she reminds him, uh, your servant, okay? This is what he did for me, your servant. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be in this mess, right? And then we have the yachar of fault. Um, we talk about chesed, you, you talk We talk in the Hebrew idiom, the yachara for that is to say, the steam reached up to his nose. And so he's so angry that if you were to touch his nose, he literally would bleed. On the other hand, God's nose is steadfast. It doesn't get that hot, okay? And I'll share this story. If I've shared this with you before, please forgive me. Uh, when my mom and dad came to this country in 1977 for my wedding with my queen, uh, we were going to go and see a lady that does peasant work. We went to the shop and she said, I have more in the house. We'll be back in 20 minutes. My father-in-law thought, no, he will stay here. So keep my mind, keep in mind, my mother does not speak English. Rather than being there, uh, 20 minutes was two hours. And when we came back, my father-in-law was sitting on the stairs waiting for us to come in. And my mom from the car says, if somebody touch your father-in-law's nose, he will bleed. That's how angry my father-in-law was. And this is the same kind of anger we see right here. In the Hebrew, what it says, af aroch, long nose, that means God is so steadfast in his love that it doesn't reach to his nostrils. But here we see the anger that does. And then the story proceeds with what happens next. He's gone to the jail. He takes them, you know, put him there. And then the same things, what was done in in Potiphar's house, now is happening in the prison. This is from the dreams to the dungeons right now, okay? So everything that he does is successful. But why is he successful? Because God is with him. Success only comes when God ordains it, okay? Not by my power, not by might but by the strength of the Lord. And this is what you see right here. No matter, in the same way Potiphar let go of his hand for everything that Joseph did, we see the same things right here. Again, unnamed person, the manager of the prison, he lifts his hands and he said, Joseph, you take care. And then we, we end with the good news that whatever Joseph did, God brought it to fruition in a good way. And that is something to rejoice in. It's a sad story. Joseph is put in jail. But remember, in Psalm 87, we read that Jesus is also put in jail. We know that for a fact, and we have it right here. So we see the story again, and Jesus succeeds in everything Because at the end of his Good Friday darkness, when the darkness was the worst, he cries out from the um, prison, excuse me, from the cross, not prison, 
what you can say, prison, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he's on the cross, and he says, Patelastai, it is finished. There's nothing else to be done. I've done it all. This is a success story. This is the greater Joseph, even though he's unrobed on the cross, but he robes us with the garments of salvation so that we too may be presented to God holy and pure and blameless without sin. And that's the story really that you have in Genesis. It's the story of love and compassion, how God is the unseen God behind the seed who brings things out that we do not see, and yet he uses it for our blessing and for the joy of the kingdom so that we may remain steadfast, communicating the gospel and the grace of God to others. You know, the connection of the the coat that Joseph had and the robe of Christ's righteousness is just a wonderful reality for us to keep in mind as we go through this because it it also keeps me humble as I read this because, like you said, the Lord made it succeed. The Lord caused success for him because often I'm thinking, especially as a good American, that my success was because I am the one who did the work. And Pastor, what would your response be to someone who says that? It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Christ, yeah, all this, but you know what? I did the work. Um, I'm the one who made it successful. How would you... Well, here's, uh, I actually used that at the Nebraska Convention, and I used the district president as the culprit in this. I said, I was talking to Richard, and I said, Brother Richard, how are things going? And he was telling me how great it is, how wonderful it is. He said, things are going so well. People are coming to the church. Funds are coming in. Oh, that is fantastic. And he kept going on. You know, Brother Nabil, if I continue like this, we probably have to do some satellite, different churches somewhere. And I said, fantastic. And then he continued, if we go on like this, we probably have to go onto the radio and the television. And I said, fantastic. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Nabil, what's happening in your world? In your world? And I said, God is teaching me to say fantastic instead of baloney. <laughs> and in that in that sense, you know, man wants to look at what he does himself. But God says, I am the one who orchestrates this world and does that which is God pleasing. Not you. I do it. And that's the joy we have. That's the gift to realize each of us, you in the capacity of district president, I as a pastor and vice president of the synod, are only a tool in the master's hand. It's a ve- we are just a vessel to be used by God. If there's any success in anything that we do, regardless of what it is, it's because God ordained it for his good. And if you look at verse 21, and God gave him chesed, right? The word chesed, it can be, I mean, there's no equivalent English word. It is that which we don't deserve. It translated mercy, but it's more than that. It's the steadfast love of God that will never come to an end. And that's the beauty of it all. 
Pastor, all I can say to that is amen, and partly because we're out of time. So Pastor Nabil Neuer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hartford, South Dakota, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 39. Pastor Neuer, thank you for bringing us his gifts. To God be the glory, and may the Lord bless us as we continue to proclaim that thy strong word to the world. Take care, my dear brother. You as well. As you said, fantastic. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.